0: Welcome to season three of Practice Purchased. This is the season all about the legal side of buying a dental practice. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the tens of thousands of you who have been downloading this podcast, sending in questions, the feedback has been amazing, and uh, that has in turn motivated me to produce content like this, so thank you. Uh, and a number of you have asking really good questions around the topic of the legal side of the deal and after doing hundreds of these i have a pretty good idea of what advice to give buyers but there are there are always questions and i have to be careful to stay in my lane as the accountant so if this is your first time through the process of buying a dental practice or you're just getting educated ahead of time this may be all brand new territory and where i've done it hundreds of times or at least been you know a witness to it hundreds of times Uh, what I did is I collected every question I could think to ask an actual dental transitions attorney. And I have a guest who I'll introduce here in a minute, who is going to allow me to play kind of, uh, you know, just beginner for a minute and just ask some basic questions. And so if, if you think about a dental transition, I'm big on who's on your team and recognizing who's on your team and who's not on your team. And I always say that the two people who are definitely on your team are those you pay directly, the accountant and the lawyer. And, you know, I brought in an actual dental transitions attorney for this season, and I was very careful to invite someone that would be the type of dental attorney that I would actually refer my clients to. So you can hear an actual lawyer's answer to the most common questions that come up around the legal side of buying a practice. But before we dive into the topic, I just want to lay the ground rules for this season, season three, and just set expectations up front with you for the season. As always, these episodes are going to be 20 minutes or less. I'm not going to take any outside ads because mostly because I find them annoying when I'm listening to podcasts and we're going to try to keep it very pithy uh, without any fluff. All right. So this season is going to be 10 episodes long on the topic of the legal side of buying a dental practice which if you do the math is just about three hours total talking time about the legal side, which you make, makes sense, right? If you were to tell me, hey, do you want to go sit in a lecture for three hours about the legal side of buying a practice? You might think to yourself, oh my gosh, like shoot me now. That sounds so boring. But my take is this could be the largest purchase you ever make in your life. So I think a three hour or hopefully a little less, if I can you know, not interject too much, with my questions, is, is a really good investment in understanding your risks and why the legal side is so important. Plus, we're going to talk about pricing lawyers' fees on the on this season. So, you know, you could save some money by listening to this season, and, uh, and I hope you do. So, of course, anytime we're talking legal topics, I'm going to give you the, the disclaimer that this information is for educational purposes only. None of the advice offered in this episode constitutes legal advice to you in any way, nor would anything I'm about to say absolve you <laughs> from the absolute requirement to hire an attorney for your deal. Right. I always tell people, like, if you're short on cash and you're thinking about your team, like, OK, do you hire an accountant? Well, maybe. I mean, that's me. So I hope you do. But the lawyer is a must. It's not a question. You just you have to have a lawyer for your deal, period. End of story. And We'll talk about why. So here are the 10 episodes, so you know what's coming down the the road with the rest of this episode. In episode one, we're just going to do basics. What are the documents, the processes, the terms to know, how the industry works, etc.? What do you need to know about attorneys? Episode two is going to be how you select the best dental lawyer for your deal. Episode three is the big one. Everybody always asks how much lawyers cost, and then we're going to talk about why they cost what they do. So episode four is going to be about uh, dual rep, brokers versus attorneys, and why there are always two attorneys, what a, a lawyer actually does during the dental transition. Five is going to be entity selection. Six, we're going to talk about uh, the actual legal document, the what's called the asset purchase agreement or the APA. And similarly, in episode seven, we're going to talk about the lease, uh, a big legal document or the real estate contract as the case may be. And then we're going to wrap up the season with 8, 9, and 10. We're going to talk negotiation tips from a lawyer. We're going to talk about frequent deal pitfalls to avoid. And then we're going to wrap up the last episode, episode 10, with other legal stuff you'll need a lawyer for in your career. Okay, so let's get started. Before we dive into the topic, I want to introduce our guest. I have Ashley Garby-Smith with me from AGS Dental Law. Ashley has been a dental transitions lawyer for several years. What I love about Ashley is several things. She is flat fee for most aspects of buying a dental practice. She is honest. She helps educate the clients that work with her, which I find um, particularly unique in the dental transition accounting and lawyer community. And in addition, just on the personal side, she's a mom of two boys, so you know she works very hard. And um, I love this. She is a very talented musician. She has opened herself for like Lady Antebellum, Brooks and Dunn, Darius Strucker, and some other '90s groups. Uh, that uh, that makes it sound like Lady A is a, a '90s group. I didn't mean to say that. Um, but she is very, very talented in the, the musical space as well. So, Ashley, thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, Ashley, I want to get right to our topic. Um, tell me a little bit about just why I need a lawyer. What is the goal of having a lawyer involved when you're buying a business?
1: So I think there are three aspects um, that will answer your question. So the first is protection. The second is to correct any misconceptions that you might have you know, gathered along the way. Um, and then the third is to help manage the deal. So starting with protection and, and a lot of people hear this word and they don't really understand what that actually means. Like, what am I trying to protect? So, so the first thing is you want to hire a lawyer to protect you from lawsuits. That's pretty obvious, but lawsuits often result from poor contract drafting and also parties not really understanding what their obligations are. When they, when they enter into a contract. they don't Parties don't always read the contract and they don't always understand their obligations, so they might do something that breaches the contract. So the lawyer helps protect you from those lawsuits so you don't get involved in them in the first place. Um, the other reason that a lawyer, well, the other thing that the lawyer helps protect is your rights. So let's say the other party actually breaches the contract, the lawyer will help you protect your rights under your agreement. Also, these contracts are really important, and having a lawyer in these deals is important to help protect your business assets from creditors. So, so let's say you are involved in a lawsuit for whatever reason. Um, if your entity is structured correctly and your contracts are well drafted, then your business assets are gonna be protected. And then the last thing, and a lot of a lot of dentists don't think about this, but having a lawyer helps protect your personal assets. And again, it has to do with the way that you structure your business and the way that you structure your practice. Because if somebody sues you and you aren't protected and you don't have the right entity in place, then that person can potentially do what we call piercing the corporate veil, which means they go through your entity and get to you personally and get to your personal assets. So you need a lawyer to help you protect your, you know, your personal assets from any type of creditors or lawsuits.
0: So the analogy that I like to use sometimes with dentists who say, sometimes they'll argue with me, I have no personal assets. I've got $400,000 in student loans. Are you kidding me? Like, and you want me to pay how many thousands of dollars for an attorney? And and I say, look, it's like insurance. Like in my mind, like this, you're going to give us some other reasons, but the protection side is analogous for me, at least to insurance. And you tell me if this is correct, but I'm, If I'm paying for life insurance, what I hope is that I'm literally throwing my money away, right? Because that means I didn't die. Like (laughs) I'm trying to protect against something that I hope never happens, but if it does, I want to have the protection in place. So that's in my mind, like everybody always thinks that the seller is going to be honest, that the practice is going to be perfect, but that doesn't always happen. And so in my mind, the lawyer is like insurance in a way. Is that, I mean, am I, am I anywhere close to accurate with the protection side of this?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and I always tell people, you need insurance and a lawyer. You need that double protection. And you know, you're not just protecting yourself from lawsuits from the seller or the buyer or someone on the other side. You've got to protect yourself from lawsuits for everyone who's going to come and visit your practice as well. And those initial documentations and the structure of your entity are going to help with that. So absolutely, I think that's a great analogy.
0: Got it. And you mentioned two other things. You said protection was the first, Mm -hmm. correcting misconceptions and helping manage the deal. Tell me more.
1: Yes. So correcting misconceptions. So, and this happens frequently. I'll get a young dentist out of dental school and they might say something like, well, my my dental school friend did X, Y, and Z, or my dad said that I should do X, Y, and Z. And I
0: downloaded some forms off Dentaltown. I'm good, right?
1: Yes, exactly please don't do that. <laughs> and and here's the thing, your dad's probably a great guy, but unless he's a lawyer, he's not a lawyer. And and so it's really important that we all kind of stay in our lane, but there are a lot of misconceptions that float around when you're talking about legal stuff. And so, so it's really important to hire a lawyer to correct those misconceptions because Like your friend that did X, Y, and Z could be practicing in a different state. The deal could have been structured differently. Maybe your friend didn't hire an attorney and did it all incorrectly and you don't even know. Um, And also, you know, I'll have a lot of people say, well, I, I have an accountant, I have a broker, or maybe like a dual representation broker, and they're going to help me out. Well, first of all, you don't know if a dual representation broker has your best interest in mind. Probably not. Um, but a lawyer is paid to have your best interests in mind and and a lawyer isn't going to feed you just what you want to hear. They're going to lay it out and let you know the risks and, and lawyers are going to stay in their lanes. And it's important for, you know, your accountant, you know, you and, um, you know, other professionals to stay in their lane. So, because a lot of times even they can, can perpetuate these misconceptions.
0: Oh, sure. I get asked legal questions all the time. And it's a t- it's tempting to say, oh, I know the answer to that question, uh, but you know, I I I try to always just say, like, well, here's what I think the answer is, but check with your attorney. And then, but you also are saying that d- that lawyers help manage the deal. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So this your trans your dental transition is going to be a very long process, and while the dental trans transition is happening, you might still be a dentist. You know, you've got to go into work and you've got to you've got to do your dental work. And so on the legal side, it honestly probably takes about 15 to anywhere from 15 to 50 hours of my time per deal. And so you think about doing that yourself on top of actually doing your actual job that you're getting paid for. So there's a lot of back and forth between attorneys and you might not want to deal with that. So paying someone to manage that is well worth whatever you're going to pay them for the peace of mind. And also for you not having to have to spend the time doing it yourself.
0: Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Ashley, give me some basics on just lawyers in general and like types of legal firms and things. I think what I think people come to the table with, um, like most dentists and most of us that don't live in the legal world, like our exposure to the law is watching CSI and Law and & Order or you know, hearing a lawyer joke and things like, what do we need to know about lawyers and types of legal firms and things like, what would be the basics that you would want a, a, a buyer of a dental practice to understand just about the legal profession in general?
1: Okay. Well, um, don't believe anything you see on suits. That's number one. <laughs> My husband says he can't even watch that show with me because I just stand there and I say, oh, that would never happen. That case would never go to trial that fast. But there are there are two, di- speaking of suits, uh, you know, that's a big law firm in New York, right? And there are two different, well, there are three different kinds of law firms. You've got your big law firms, your small to medium-sized law firms, and then you have your solo practice attorneys. And a lot of people think, well, if I go to a big law firm, I'm going to get like the best representation. And frankly, that's just not always the case. Because big firms can come with a good reputation. But big firms also usually mean big money. And you're going to end up paying a lot more for a lawyer in a big firm. And frankly, you'll probably pay for two or three lawyers. And you're going to probably pay the hourly rate for two or three lawyers in a big firm. Big firms generally like to work hourly. Some have flat fee structures. But most of the time, these lawyers at big firms are going to charge hourly rates. And what we're seeing with firms right now is they're seeing this revolving door of associates who are realizing, hey, I could go out on my own and practice on my own and I could give, you know, better, I could give client-based services. You know, when you're working for a big firm, that's very lawyer-centered. But when you're out on your own and working solo or for a smaller firm, you can be a client-centered lawyer more than you can with a big firm. And so there's this revolving door of associates who are seeing this and they see these these new innovations in technology and the law the law has a hard time catching up with most industries. And and the way the best way that it can do that is by associates breaking out on their own and starting smaller practices or solo practices and that way they can charge hourly rates They tend to be more responsive because they're not working on so many cases. And um, now I'm not saying don't hire a big firm. If you feel like that's the best thing for you and you're willing to spend that kind of money, then go for it. My experience
0: has been that most of the dental specific transitions focused attorneys are either solo or very small group, two, three attorneys or something. And so I, I have to chuckle though. What you're saying is, associate attorneys really want to go off on their own so they can do the, the type of legal work that they want to do and charge how they want to charge. Gee, what what does that sound like <laughs> for these dentists? Right? So, okay. So um, there's hourly and flat fee too. How does that work in all of this?
1: Okay. So I think a really basic way to look at it is if your lawyer is charging an hourly rate, you are taking on the risk of the deal blowing up. Right. So. If, if it's an hourly rate and something goes south, then you take on that risk. Now, there might be a cap on the hourly rate. And sure. I, I would say if if you are going to hire an attorney that charges an hourly rate, ask if there is a cap. Um, because sometimes these deals, like I said, can take 50 hours of my time. And if someone is charging $300 an hour, I mean, do the math.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're going to get into the deep, deep details of how lawyers charge, who they should pick. And I think it was episode three. Um, But give me some basics on. So like a lot of the times I get a question of, hey, I'm in Kansas City. Can you give me a lawyer in my area? Or I'm in um, Delaware. Like, do I do it in an in-state or out-of-state? How does that work now with transitions attorneys in the dental world?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's and it's something that the legal world is still grappling with, to be honest. Um, the reality is, again, the law is it's slow to catch up. But we we're doing business all over the nation now. A lot of people are doing business online. And when it mm-hmm. comes, you know, you have two different kinds of law. You've got litigation and you have transactional law. And transactional law, you know, en- encompasses like dental transitions and, sure. and other business law. So litigation attorneys cannot practice in other states unless they're admitted by another attorney in that state and by the courts in that state. And so a lot of times, litigations will really turn their nose up to practicing in other states. But transactional attorneys, states are trying to have more uniform laws so that things are done more uniformly across the nation. And, you know, but again, we're still catching up. And so state law or contract law is generally state specific. So this is what I would say. You can hire a lawyer outside of your state if if they um, practice dental transition law. And I think you're better hiring a specialist in dental transitions than you are hiring a lawyer in your state that may or may not do transitions.
0: Yeah, my advice would be find the very best attorney that is going to charge what you feel comfortable with. And then just ask the question, like, can you do my deal in Alaska? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, then okay, back to the drawing board. Like, let's find the second best attorney that actually can practice in my state. Is that is that good advice?
1: Yeah, it is. And I will say there are um, a couple states that it is a little bit harder to practice in if you are an out-of-state attorney because they have certain regulations where they want to protect their state. They want to protect the attorneys in their state. Fair. And so they could technically come after an attorney for practicing in that state, even though you know yeah, i
0: but ask you the question right I mean, just and you'll tell me if I'm in one of those states
1: exactly and and, okay. and I think the other question I think is really important to ask is you know, do you have the resources um to understand this state's laws um and and that really is more focused on like entity formation and because some states allow professional LLCs in some states don't. And I, and so uh, there are some attorneys like me who have resources to understand the nuances of each state.
0: Yep. And have done deals in if not every state, at least most of them. So yes. all right, leading question to end the episode is an attorney worth the cost? What what do I need to know before jumping in and calling an attorney?
1: Well, what you need to know is you absolutely need a lawyer. I saw a funny interview with Cardi B, the rapper. And One of they, they said, what is the best business advice you could give us? And she said, hire a good lawyer, get a good lawyer. And she goes, I don't care how much you have to spend, hire a good lawyer. And I'm not going to pretend to like try and impersonate Cardi B, but, but that's (laughs) what she said. And, and whatever you are going to pay to protect your business is going to be less than, you know, and to, and to prevent problems is going to be less than what you're going to pay to fix problems down the road.
0: Okay. Perfect. Ashley Garby Smith. Thank you, Ashley. This was fantastic. We'll get into more in uh, episodes two and beyond. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. (laughs)